Bizarre and risky. That's what former skipper Alan Border had to say about Australia's selections for the Ashes. But is the public opinion starting to turn around a little bit ahead of the first test? We'll talk about that today on The Splash. We'll also get the lowdown on the Supercars title race, which all comes to a head this weekend at the brand new Newcastle track. It's Tuesday, November 21. <laughs> Welcome to The Splash, I'm Wilson Smith, filling in once again for Phil Pryor, and I'm absolutely stoked to be back in the seat because today we get to talk Ashes. But as I said, we'll also be talking to foxsports.com.au's lead motorsport writer Will Dale and AJ Hawkins from the broadcast team about the final round of the supercars up in Newcastle. But first, we've all heard about the selections for the Aussies. Plenty of backlash there. It just wouldn't be an Ashes series without some controversy. And tell you what, we've not been let down. We've got selection controversy. We've got a little bit of back and forth between the teams. A lot of back and forth between the teams and the media. Which leads me to my first guest, Fox Sports cricket writer Jacob Kuriep. And we've got some breaking news hot off the presses. David Warner, good or bad? Uh, yeah, he's, he sounds quite optimistic that he'll play. He had a... Bit of a bit of an injury scare during training today. He was taking a, a high catch, mm. um, and just had a bit of a. He said a, a neck twinge. Right. Um, he said he's never had a neck quite this sore, but he's, you know, a hundred percent confident he'll be ready to play. The, the the slightly worrying thing is he only faced two balls in the nets today uh, from from the batting coach because he said he couldn't align his head properly to face him. Right. Um, so he stopped the session just because he didn't want to get in any bad habits. He's, he said he's never had a neck quite this sore. I, I, I think he'll like it. Would it would amaze me if he if he wasn't at the Gabba? Oh, loves it. it that way. Loves but a training injury, doesn't he? Uh, everyone, everyone. I think it, it just adds. To it the wouldn't drama. really be a an Australian summer without you know some small injury scare. I mean, last year we had quite a big one of Mitchell Stark in the shin, but yep. there's always at least you know one one small niggle that gets picked up at training. Um, Thankfully, this one appears to be on, on, on the rather, you know, minor side of things. Yeah, it just adds to the drama, the buzz, the excitement. So the test squad, uh, we've been over this a number of times already since it was announced. Uh, obviously, there's still a little bit of controversy surrounding the selections of Sean Marsh. Tim Payne seems to be one that everyone's focusing on now, though. It has, has the reaction sort of softened in the days since? Are we getting ready to just get over it, band together for this first test? or is I think the reaction has softened quite a fair bit. I think everyone's kind of, you know, starting to get behind the Australian team like Darren Lehman called for everyone to do, whether or not, you know, he's right yeah. to say we should all be, you know, just saying positive things is, yep. is, a, is a question for another day. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with the Tim Payne selection is nobody's questioning his quality as a keeper. I think actually the squad, a lot of people, you know, on reflection are saying it's quite, it's quite a good squad. Yep. You know, Sean Marsh has always, you know, been, a, ha, been someone people like to beat up on, but uh, like he makes sense as a selection and Cameron Bancroft banged down the door for selection. I think what people have taken issue with is... The hypocrisy? Almost, yeah, the, the hypocrisy and the, and the thought process that's gone behind it. Everyone... Absolutely. There seems to be... A, the feeling is that the goalposts got shifted three times, you know, in one selection. You've got... You know, Matt Renshaw dropped because he doesn't have shield form, but Sean Marsh selected because he has, you know, a decent record in test cricket and stepped up for Australia before. So why didn't that come into play for Renshaw? And then yeah. Tim Payne picked off a, a few 2020s in a, in a um, Cricket Australia 11 performance. And, and the fact that they're desperate for youth uh, and they turn their backs on Renshaw. It's an interesting one. I actually think, the dropping could be a good thing for Renshaw in a way. It won't feel like that. It, like it's never, it's never a good thing to be dropped. Yeah, I hope but so. Now he can go away and kind of work 
on his on his game. He isn't he he is in a form slump. Like he, his numbers had started to wane towards the end of you know that tour of Bangladesh and India, and he hasn't got off to the greatest start in the Sheffield Shield. And as Steve Smith said himself, an Ashes series isn't the place you know to be looking for form. And now he can he can work on his game away from an Ashes spotlight, yep. which could be good for him. I think also what's working in Tim Payne's favour is that everybody's starting to realise he's actually a pretty classic bloke. One of the stories <laughs> on foxsports.com.au this morning I read from Brett Jeeves, uh, the master scribe. He's uh, told a couple little tales about yep. Tim Payne back in the day as a as an 11-year-old facing up to some extreme bowling and then you know flicking a 10-cent coin at old mate, go buy some runs, yeah. Santa. Jeeves was in, in fine form of his, his column today. Um, it's a great story about... Tim Payne when he was young and I, I think the most important thing to take from it is not just the laughs but um, you know that there is a lot to Tim Payne substance wise he has got the fight inside him for an yeah. Ashes series and he will step up yeah okay so that's our squad the English squad how's that shaping up how's yeah. Stokes going to <laughs> what's happening there um, how's this even happening I, uh, I don't yeah. understand so the there seems to be a, the feeling of the last maybe couple of weeks is that Ben Stokes is going to make it out to Australia somehow. They're expecting the police to make a call on whether or not charges will be laid yeah. um, in the in the next week. Um, and the, the, the feeling you get is that if he isn't charged, he will be coming to Australia. Um, you know, the ECB have said themselves his reputation can be rehabilitated in the field. And I think they just see him as too big a player to, to suspend properly. Well, I, I, I feel like if this wasn't an Ashes, there'd be no chance that he plays. Yeah, I'd, uh, this, I'd this agree with that. This just seems way too serious for me to just wipe it off the board. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you see the footage that's of allegedly him and you just, well, it's, it's disgusting. just pretty unforgivable, right? No matter yep. what the defence. It's stomach-turning to be quite honest with you. And uh, Stokes, he's had a, uh, speaking of Stokes, he's had a little bit of a stab at Matt Hayden. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What, what did Haydos say? Uh, so Matthew Hayden, um, obviously one of Australia's greatest ever test batch and also a great fisher. And he yep. and he managed to bait Ben Stokes he last did. night. He went out and said, uh, you know, this England squad is a shambles and he doesn't recognise who half the squad is. Uh, Stokes actually got in a pretty good retort. He said, uh, Matty, you're a... You're a pundit. All but two of these players have played Test cricket, so why don't you know who they are? It's, it's a decent sledge. I'd I'd say that Ben Stokes has probably got bigger things on his plate to deal with at the moment. Yeah, seems like a really odd target, but uh, that's fine. Any danger men in this squad that you've got your eye on that we don't really know that much about? Uh, Chris Wokes is the one I'm looking at for, yeah. especially with Ben Stokes away. Chris Wokes. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a lovely match. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Hey, Chris Wokes is a hell of an all-rounder. Yeah, great bowler. He's been in fine form. Great with the batsman. Ball. He started this this tour quite well with the ball. He's going to be important as well as kind of that first batsman of not really the tail because England's tail is quite short. But guys like him and Jolly Bairstow and Moen Ali and that lower middle order are really important to England this series because mm. we've seen what Mitchell Stark can do against the tail. Yeah. And we've seen what Johnny Bairstow can do against Australia. Not much. I'm not even worried about it, mate. <laughs> uh, um, arguably the most improved player in England for the last definitely. few years. Do, do the conditions suit Wokes over here? Is that why uh, he's looked so good so far? Or? Yeah, well, the Gabba should suit him. You know, yeah. where the ball, like his, like a lot of, like just like Jimmy Anderson, his, his greatest asset is his, his swing. Yeah. Um, so you'd think the Gabba would be tailor-made yep. for him. It's looking quite a green deck at this stage, which is good okay. to both sides. Speaking of the Gabba, Australia's record there, it's uh, pretty dominant, you'd have to think. Um, do England stand a chance in this first test? Uh, I mean, it's you're, you always stand There's a chance. There's two teams right? out there. There's two teams out win, there. Of and, course. And, you know, Weber is always prone to play some part um, at Brisbane. I mean, you look at Australia's record there and it's 
pretty much second to none for a team at a venue in any sport in the world, right? Like yep. they've they haven't lost a test there and they haven't lost there in twenty eight tests. They haven't lost there since the nineteen eighties when they took on a West Indies attack that had uh, you know, Courtney Walsh and Kurtley Ambrose. Wow. And they weren't the they weren't the opening bowling pair. They they played second fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the England has to stand a chance. The other way of looking at it is that because this venue is so iconic for Australia and so The pressure's on. It the pressure is on Australia to perform. As some some in the English press have pointed out, Michael Vaughan and uh, Graham Swan both pointed out in their columns for the Telegraph and the Times yesterday. Um, you know, if if England don't even have to win at the Gabba, if they can hold if they get away with a draw, they can consider themselves to have, you know, almost picked up half a point. Yeah. Um Well that's loser talk, but go yeah, on. Yeah. the thing is it it is loser talk, but the last three <laughs> times the last three times Australia has failed to win a test at the Gabba, they have failed to win the series. There was obviously uh twenty ten eleven when England held on to a draw with Alistair Cook scoring a double century. Mm-hmm. Um then in twenty eleven twelve I think I might be I might might have my date wrong. South Africa held on for a draw there and went on to win the series one nil. And then back in two thousand and three when India got a draw at the Gabba, they drew the series one all and pff, almost won the whole series. It was it was only Steve Waugh in his final test and Simon Kadich stepping up at the SCG that, that you know stopped India winning that test. All right. Um, well, don't forget to check out the Fox Sports Cricket Podcast. It's hosted by Tom Morris with our own Jacob Kuriep and Brett Jeeves. Uh, Jacob, I'm sure you've got stacked to the brim full of good stuff before Thursday. Of, of course. There's a big Ask Jeeves segment. Everyone on Twitter got to ask Jeeves you know, their, their questions. Um, we really run the rule over the England squad, the Australia squad, the selections for both sides, put in our predictions for the series, the players to look out for. It's, it's, it's well worth a listen. Beautiful, mate. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. A huge weekend ahead in the supercars, the final round of the season. Five drivers with a chance to win it all on a brand new circuit up in Newcastle. I'm not really sure what to expect, but I'm sure our next two guests have a better idea. We've got Fox Sports Motorsports scribe Will Dale and from the Motorsport coverage team, AJ Hawkins. Welcome, fellas. How you going? How you going? <laughs> Pretty exciting, mate. Five, five people with a mathematical chance of winning this round. Who, have we, got? Who are we looking at here? Uh, the five drivers in order. Jamie Wincup is leading the points on... 2,850, but that's kind of that's like sort of immaterial. Scott McLaughlin's next, 30 points behind him. Realistically, they're the only two guys that mm. are in with a serious shot at this because McLaughlin's teammate Fabian Coulthard is third, 176 points behind, and you get 150 for a race win. I'm, I, it's wink up McLaughlin, count the others out, draw a line through them, not going to factor. All the right. only way they're going to be a factor is if they. Win the win the race on Saturday or Sunday, and their teammates are well and truly down the back. In summary, like the scenario I was discussing before we went on air, if Jamie and Scott qualify on the front row and then send each other down the escape road with crashed cars at turn one, and the other three finish on the podium, that is the best. That is pretty much the most realistic shot of having yeah. all five guys in title contention on Sunday. This circuit, what's Newcastle all about? What do they got up there? Well, they've built a street circuit out in the East End. I've never been up there. My my first experience of Newcastle is going to be on Thursday. It, it's so. it's going to be awesome. Hmm. It's, there's undulation as you come down through past the beachfront, yep. lots through the S's, and then it, it works its way around the headland and then round through the, the, the wharf part of the harbour and then winds its way back through the city and then up over the top again. It's going to be spectacular, yeah, and it's going to look amazing. It looked fantastic in photos. Like I'd never really... Again, I really don't know that much about Newcastle. And I saw the photos after 
the um after the announcement last year and looked at it on Google Maps and thought, wow, this is a, this looks really really good. Yeah, yeah. It's on television, it's going to be amazing, and if you're a spectator. It's even better. Speed-wise, what are we looking at? Are we looking at some tight corners, obviously, with a street circuit? There's a there's a few 90-degree corners, which, as, like, that will happen on a street circuit. Yeah. Concrete walls very close to, well, right by the side of the track throughout pretty much all of it. But there's a very fast run out the back with what Ma- Fox Sports' own Mark Scaife describes as the hero corner at Turn 10. All right. Something like 220 kilometre an hour mm-hmm. apex speed, and then wow. you have to hit the brakes for a tight hairpin. It's a potential passing spot, and therefore, because the concrete walls are right next to the track, also a potential trouble spot. Okay. The, the, being a street circuit, brand new, no no one's driven on it before. The few of the drivers and teams have been there to check it out. There's going to be absolute carnage. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's one of those things, and if it, if it rains... Which it's not forecast to do, but... It's forecast to do either side of the race yeah. weekend, yeah. and we know, yeah, we know. Uh, what we've had some pretty like. weird weather as well lately. On yes. yeah. <laughs> stranger yeah. things have happened. So, who does that suit better? Do you think out of Wink Cup and McLaughlin? If you're looking at experience, Jamie's got it all over, all over Scott. The guy's a six-time champion yep. for a reason. He he's extremely good at performing in clutch scenarios. He's been in more title deciders than anyone else on this list of contenders. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see your point mm-hmm. and raise you the what we spoke about on the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast last time, which was that the tyres will play a big factor. In the 2016 tyres, Wink Cup is unbeatable almost on them. Yeah. 2017 tyres, McLaughlin's been the hero, been the guy who's been who's won most races on them. We go to Newcastle, we're back at it's, we're at a street circuit, and we're also back on the 2017 tyres. So the new ones, so that favours McLaughlin. That's I would it. like to see McLaughlin get up, and that's exactly what I what I said in the last podcast. Like, yeah, head says, brain says, win cup, triple eight, Red Bull. They've all got the runs on the board. They know how to win a championship, but you just can't help think that McLaughlin, who has been the fastest guy all year, like innumerable number of pole positions. Fast pretty much everywhere, except, crucially, the last time they went to a street circuit at the Gold Coast. Mm. But he also has in his pocket race engineer Ludo Lacroix. Left Triple Eight at the end of last year. Big off-season switch to go to DJR Team Penske. The guy's a bit of a wizard. He, I, I wouldn't put it past him to pull out something pretty special. And also, it's going gonna, it's gonna to favour those guys who qualify at the front. Yeah, mm. Being a street circuit... If you're at the back, it's unlikely that you're going to get a race win. So the the further you qualify, the best chance you give yourself, and it doesn't guarantee a race win, but the better your chances of being able to take that win if the further up you qualify. And sure. avoiding all the trouble of being down the back. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of those back markers, <coughs> you know, th- there's a few inexperienced guys down there and a few guys in the mid-pack and back that will cause some, there's, you know, they're racing for their careers, they're racing for next year. There's going to be carnage. Mm. Will they fit three cars wide on any of these corners? Oh, oh they'll give it a go. I think well, see it. <laughs> well, you know what? If three cars don't fit at Pukekohe, three cars is definitely not going to fit at, in Newcastle. Yeah, true. <laughs> so <laughs> you spoke about the spectators. Yep. Uh, Numbers-wise, what are we looking at? I hear it's uh, pretty well purchased All so the corporates are all sold out. Mm-hmm. And a lot all of the, the grandstands. grandstands are all sold yeah. out. They've even put new grandstands, which are sold out as well. Wow. It's going to be huge. Okay. I think they're looking at a, a crowd around 150,000 for over the three days. Mm. Is, yeah, that's that's huge, that's right? That's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That took me by that's surprise. Yeah, yeah. 150,000, sure. And the good thing is, is unlike going to Homebush, which is flat... 
Newcastle has got undulation and some hills. So you can actually stand at the top at Fort Scratchley and look down over the a lot of the circuit below yeah, you. Including that hero corner, that fast bit towards yeah. the end. And with the parklands, you can, again, even sitting in the grandstand seat, you get to see the cars for a fair chunk of time. Yeah. yeah. And there's, uh, I hear there's been a couple local protests about this as well, actually. Yeah, a few, a few. You can understand, like it is a lot of inconvenience for if they're not a fan of supercars racing. It's understandable that they'd be put out, but yeah, there's been a lot of roadworks in the area and a lot of public works to that the city was going to conduct in that area over the next five, ten years. Mm-hmm. But they figured while they're reset, tearing up the roadway and resurfacing it so it's nice for all the supercars to mm-hmm. race on, they'll just do all that now. So That sounds like a good idea to me. Exactly. Or is it unless, just a minor inconvenience at the moment? Unless you live there. Yeah. And then it's a terrible idea. Yeah, because sure. The, I mean, this is, the, this is what the residents have been saying, is they've you know been locked in for a lot of their roadworks and stuff for most of the year. It's only for the first year. It's not going to happen every year. Yeah not that bad but you get new roads and you get new footpaths yeah. and your yeah. city looks great and it progresses the city and then when it looks when people come there and they go oh wow this is great and we're on tv looks fantastic mm-hmm. let's go and visit pour money back into the local economy it's you might need some bad. new grass too as well apparently someone had the weed and feed out <laughs> <laughs> yes yes they did with a very concise message of what they think of the supercars race coming to and Newcastle. It, just on that if you're gonna do that don't put it on your facebook page no, nah, that wasn't very clever. Easy to track. You I would have very easy yeah. to track. And then when you get blasted across it. Yeah, and then when you get named and shamed as as the person, mm. probably not a good thing. So apart from this, we've got a couple of retirees. One announced this morning, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Kelly. We've got well, a couple of, well, over the weekend, Jason Bright also announced his retirement. And there's a very strong possibility that Will Davison, last year's Bathurst winner, will also not be on the grid in a full-time capacity next year. And that is a lot of experience and a lot of household names. Like, these are guys that have been mainstays of the category for the for 10 to 15 years. Todd's Todd's been racing full-time in the championship. This is his 20th consecutive season. Wow. There's a lot of seats up for grabs mm. next year. The, the silly season is well under underway, and it's, it's actually head-spinning to, to kind of work out who's going where and trying to fit the puzzle into to everything. And there's... You know, potentially new drivers, a lot of new drivers coming into the thing, which is good. I mean, it's good that we're getting some, uh, some new faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, the, these kind of guys, you know, have been around. You're right; it's generational. Yeah. Well, there's four Bathurst wins between them. Yeah. Fifty-eight race wins between them. Yeah. If they all make it through both races in Newcastle, that's fifteen hundred and four race starts between them. Wow. It's funny that you mentioned that about Will Davison because, honestly, I- I'm not sure why, but it just didn't occur to me that he's been racing for so long. He doesn't seem like someone who is that old or anything. No, Mid- he's not. Mid-30s. He's, yeah, he's yeah. been around a long time. Is the performance you know. declining or is it, he's just done with it? Uh, it's It's been a tough year with him and Techno this year. They haven't been able to back up their success of last year. Yeah, um, Funding's been a bit tight, we understand, at that team this year. And... The thing is, like, there are, as AJ said, there are a lot of good young drivers coming through. So the available seats have, in large part, been going to those young drivers. You look at the seat that Jason Bright will be vacating at the end of this weekend. Yeah. Um, you've got a young guy that's on Pro Drive Racing's books in Richie Stanaway, the kid that has cut that raced in Europe, raced in GP3, raced in GP2. Yeah, in almost a, got to F1. Almost got to F1. Yeah. Guys like that are coming through. Right. And Throwing a bunch of homegrown young kids like Todd Hazelwood, who is yeah. a very, very, very 
promising young talent. Yep. The future. You got LeBrock bright. in the mix as well. Yeah, potentially. Jack Over the years, I have become quite a big Todd Kelly fan myself, largely listening to him on the team radios, which you can listen to through our website live during the races. Because Todd actually sounds like he's doing 300 kilometers an hour in the car. All the other guys sound calm, composed, like heavy, on Sunday drive. Got a bit of heavy breathing. Yells a bit. bit. Of yelling. He's, and that's that's the other sad thing about Todd leaving the grid. He is as passionate now as he ever was about mm. racing. Yeah. Loves it. And like, When it's it, your own car and your own team that you've built. Exactly. You, that passion tends to come out. Because if you don't have passion, then you shouldn't be doing it. And I don't think that car's been good enough to showcase how strong a driver he still is. Well, he'll make a very good... If he does choose to be an Enduro co-driver next year, yep. he'll be a very valuable asset. Nissan haven't had a podium this year. No, they haven't. They've got that one pole that Rick scored in Darwin. Yeah, and then speared it off into the into the fence. Of course, we go to a brand new track, so anything could happen. We could be end up be talking about two Nissan race wins after this weekend. It is entirely possible. Well, on that note, uh, we're on air Friday, 11.15 AEDT onwards. Saturday, you've got, you're have got on air from 8.10 in the morning, the race at 3.45. And Sunday, on air 8.15, we've got qualifying top 10 shootout and race. You can see all that on Fox Sports 506. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. Well, that's it for today on The Splash. Remember to head to foxsports.com.au for all the latest news and updates. And, of course, keep your eyes on Wooshka and Fox's social media channels for more apps of The Splash, as well as a pretty huge range of sports-specific podcasty goodness. See you next time.